13th Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 30 I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Reading the Word First reading, Wisdom of Solomon, Chapter 1 God did not make death, and he does not delight in the death of the living. For he created all things, so that they might exist. The generative forces of the world are wholesome, and there is no destructive poison in them. And the dominion of heads is not on earth. For righteousness is immortal. For God created us for incorruption and made us in the image of his own eternity. But through the devil's envy, death entered the world, and those who belong to his company experience it. Second reading. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in the generous undertaking. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. Gospel, Mark chapter 5 When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and, when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her 
so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Then some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Hearing the word, sharing in what is most precious. Sharing is an outward expression of a highly valued feature known as generosity. It is one of the most valued and appreciated human actions. Sharing demonstrates that a person is not a self-absorbed and self-concerned individual, but that his or her view of life includes and seriously considers others. Today's liturgy focuses on this very subject. The Book of Wisdom was addressed to the Jewish people living in the Egyptian city of Alexandria in the first century BC. Alexandria was a magnificent Greek city. It was the intellectual capital of the world at the time, with the dominant Greek philosophy and polytheistic religions shaping the life of its inhabitants. The Jews who lived there were seriously challenged by this environment. Some of them were so drawn to the Greek way of life that they abandoned their ancestral faith altogether. Others resisted the temptation to assimilate. These faithful Jews insisted that there was only one true God and lived their lives according to God's law. Such beliefs and practices brought ridicule from those who considered Jewish religion primitive and absolute. The Book of Wisdom is meant to encounter the accusations of the Greek opponents and demonstrate how the Israelite faith and practice stand superior to the pagan beliefs and lifestyle. One of the issues addressed is the understanding of God. The non-Jews practiced polytheism, believing in numerous gods. Each person should fear and worship them, lest they become hostile and bring harm and misfortune. The God of Israel is a very different God. 
In today's passage, the author alludes to the story of creation, pointing out that God did not create people to save him in fear and eventually die. On the contrary, God created people and shed something that belongs to his very incense, life itself. God brought people into existence, intending for them to have unending life in his presence. Since God is eternal, the life he created was meant to be everlasting. Death and corruption was never God's intent. The envy of Satan, who apparently did not want humanity to share God's own life, distorted God's creation and led to mortality. Still, the author declares that Israel's God is the God of life, God who shared himself and his very life with humanity. In the second reading, Paul addresses the problems raised by his project collecting money for the impoverished Christian community in Jerusalem. Apparently, members of the Corinthian community initially pledged material support, but later became reluctant to act on their promises. Paul writes to these unenthusiastic Corinthians, appealing for a restart of the collection. He begins by reminding the Corinthians about the riches they freely received. These were not material benefits, but the spiritual gifts that made them Christian faith and knowledge of the gospel, which Paul shared with them out of love. They have benefited greatly from the generosity of Christ and from Paul's apostolic efforts. Paul motivates them by an appeal to Jesus himself. In his coming into the world, Jesus showed the utmost generosity. As the divine person, Christ enjoyed riches of untold value. Yet he chose to forego these riches and became poor for the sake of the people. Paul refers here to Jesus' material poverty. He refers to Christ coming into the world, his self-emptying, Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, and giving of his life for the life of the people in the world. He became poor because he had given himself completely. Whatever Christ was and had, he gave it to the service of the people. Therefore, Jesus' mission in the world was an act of supreme generosity by a divine person, willing to live ordinary human life and then undergo death so that others might live. Paul's second argument considers the relationship between the Christian communities in Corinth and Jerusalem. Using the phrase, your present abundance and their need 
Paul refers to the community in Jerusalem which suffers material impoverishment and oppression and the Corinthian community which overflows with spiritual riches and material wealth. For Paul, the Jerusalem church is the mother church for all the Christian communities he founded. The gospel spread out from Jerusalem, bringing spiritual riches, the gift of faith in Jesus above all. Paul appeals to the Corinthian sense of fairness, having been so spiritually enriched by Jerusalem community, the least they can do is to reciprocate with some material support. It would be a sign of recognition and gratitude for what they have received. The Jerusalem community shared with the world its most precious treasure, the message of salvation and the deposit of faith. This act of generosity made it possible for God's gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ to extend to the entire world. All the Gospels contain stories of Jesus bringing someone back from the dead. The evangelists narrated these events for obvious reasons. Indirectly, these stories point to the creation story from Genesis and the words from the Book of Wisdom. They demonstrate that death is not final, and God's intent at creation was human immortality. Jesus, God's own Son, demonstrated his ability to reverse the effects of death in restoring life. He acts on behalf of God in the world with life-restoring results. His call to Jairus, do not fear, only believe, indicates that faith in him as the bringer of life conquers the fear of death. We must note, however, that this is a story of resuscitation. This means that the people Jesus brought back to life will have to die again. Such resuscitation was not the true purpose of Jesus' mission. For this reason, he resuscitates only few persons in the gospel and commands that these acts be kept secret. His mission was much greater than merely reviving people. His purpose was the conclusive defeat of death and the restoration of humanity to the unending and incorruptible life that God intended for humanity at creation. Jesus would accomplish this goal through his death and resurrection. The story we read today points to and anticipates that final defeat of death and the definitive restoration of life. Jesus came into the world with God's supreme gift, the gift of salvation. And salvation is nothing else but God's gift of his own unending life, life made possible through his Son. Today's liturgy conveys a most profound message. It reveals that God decided to share God's own eternal life with humanity. The Book of Wisdom declares that this was God's intent from the beginning of creation. When this life was disrupted, 
God sent his son into the world to defeat death and reopen the path to eternal life for his faithful. This is the message of salvation, which the Jerusalem community generously shared with the world, making this salvation universally available. Contemplating God's unlimited generosity, manifested in sharing his own life with the believers through his son, one can only respond with the resounding words of the psalmist, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Listening to the Word of God Today's liturgy calls us to reflect on one of the most important human virtues that connect us to others in our community, generosity. The capacity and willingness of gratuitously share is valued in all cultures. It stands out as a mark of an admirable and respectable person. God himself represents the benchmark of generosity. In the first reading, we are reminded that God did not just create us and leave us on our own. Rather, he continues to share his life with us. He calls us to live in his presence each day so that we can truly enjoy the abundance of his love for us. This obliges us to share that very love with others. Wherever we are or whatever we are doing, we are called to be aware of God's presence in and around us. God also shared with us his son, whom he sent as the Savior and Redeemer. This was an act of selfless love at its highest to offer one's child so that others might live. Indeed, God shared what was most precious and valuable with his creatures. As God's children, we are obliged to share both our spiritual and material riches with others. St. Paul was fully aware of that when he exhorted the Church of Corinth to help the needy Church of Jerusalem. He reminded the Corinthians how the Jerusalem community shared the spiritual riches which they had with the Corinthians. Since these riches were the gifts of faith and knowledge of the gospel, they far surpassed even value the material benefits that the Corinthians had to offer. Still, the Corinthians' generosity would be welcomed, and it would, in fact, enrich the givers themselves. Like the Corinthians, we owe the debt of gratitude to those who shared and who continue to share their spiritual riches with us. These could be teachers, mentors, ministers in our churches, our parents, our faith communities. Today's liturgy calls for recognition of these individuals and groups who gave us the gift of faith and who shaped our personalities and behavior according to Christ's teaching. We are called today to manifest our gratitude to them in some tangible ways. For us Christians, generosity is not an option. It is a necessity that flows from our faith. 
there is a tendency to underestimate what we can do and what influence we can have on others. However, even the small and seemingly insignificant things can have great effect and far-reaching impact. Even putting a smile on someone's face may give them hope, which they may be losing because of the challenges that have befallen them. Just as Jesus in today's gospel gave life to the little girl, so we are called to be promoters of life. We might not be able to do it in quite the same way as he did, but our small acts of generosity go a long way to igniting and reinvigorating the lives of others. As God's creatures, we all carry the seeds of life in our hearts. Today, we are reminded that these seeds bear fruit by our acting generously and sharing ourselves with others. Let us allow those seeds to bloom. There is an African saying which states that however little food we have, we will share it, even if it's only one locust. Even our small seeds of life can bring great fruits if sown with the right intention of making life spring up in our midst. However little food we have, we will share it, even if it's only one locust. Action Self-examination What do I value most in my life? Which of the things that I value most could and should I share with others? Have I ever expressed gratitude to those who have shared some spiritual gifts with me? Response to God Throughout this week, I will wake up each day with a song of thanksgiving on my lips because I am a miracle of God's love. Response to your world I will remember all those who made my faith grow and mature and decide on the way to express my gratitude to at least some of them. As a group during our prayer meeting, we will light a candle and place it in the middle of the table. Then each person will light his or her candle from it while making a public pledge to perform a specific act of generosity. God, our Father, I thank you for the precious gift of my life, and I thank you for the precious gift of your Son, my Savior and Redeemer. Help me to share this precious gift of life with others and help us to be always mindful of you as the true source of whatever we have and are. We make our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.